Thank you so much for joining me on Teach Me How to Money. We're here with Zach Iskall. He's the CEO of Grid North, which is a group of companies who serve and support the military. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So tell me, what is Grid North? Sure. So in the military, when you're orienteering, there's different north. There's true north, there's magnetic north, and there's grid north. Grid north is the direction that matters to the men and women on the ground. And so that's our name, Grid North. We are a group of companies that serve and support the military community. The story is sort of, my background is I was in the Marine Corps, had a lot of wonderful experiences, some not so wonderful experiences, did a number of deployments to Iraq, had an opportunity to build and be a part of building the first Marine Special Operations Unit, including the recruiting, screening, assessment, and selection program for Marine Special Operations. And and our SAS is basically like everybody's heard of the Navy SEALs Hell Week. This is sort of the equivalent for the Marine Corps, although we were also building the recruiting and program as well. And so when I got out, fast forward a couple of years, I knew I wanted to start my own business. I had this background in recruiting and assessment. And so I started a business called Higher Purpose that essentially helps. We now work with 20% of the Fortune 500, helping them hire world-class military talent. We train their workforce in hiring military. We help source military talent for them. And uh, we help them build successful military recruiting programs. And when we launched that business, we started a blog called Task and Purpose. That was really just a source of leads, traffic to the job site. And we started to see that a lot of the content we were writing was going viral. It's a great site. Thank you. So we we spun Task and Purpose out as a separate site shortly after launching. We started to see a real community building around the content that we were creating. Two years later, we had an email from the White House that Obama wanted to write for us. Shortly thereafter, we got a note that uh, McCain wanted to write for us. But really, we are a community of service members, millennial service members, post-9-11 veterans, people who have served overseas who write about the issues that they care about. And we also have an editorial team. And then about a year ago, we had the opportunity to acquire an events business that does events in partnership with USAA to support military families and spouses. And so Grid North is a combination of three companies. We have Higher Purpose, the job site, Task and Purpose, the news and lifestyle site, and Military Spouse Festivals, the events business. So here's my question. So you have an amazing background, and there's so much I want to dig into. But to start off, tell us a little bit about your background before you joined the military and why you decided to join the military. Sure. So I couldn't imagine doing anything else. I grew up in a family where most of my grandparents' generation had served in World War II. My dad's stepfather was a tank driver in World War II. His father served overseas. My dad's uncle was killed overseas. He was a navigator on a bomber that was shot down over Europe. So I grew up with their stories. I also grew up with a number of Holocaust survivors who would come to the high holidays with my family. And so I had that connection to the, the military. And when I went to college, I played lightweight football at Cornell, which is a varsity sport just for <laughs> smaller guys. And my football coach here is a wonderful guy named Coach Terry Cullen, who's a legendary guy at Cornell. And he had been a Marine officer in Vietnam was badly wounded, received the Silver Star, was a legitimate war hero. And he is, to this day, one of the most important mentors I've had in my life, and Mm -hmm. he really encouraged me to join the Marine Corps, and so that's what got me into the service. Explain to me, how was your military money life different when you were in the military than after you left? Uh, Well, look, when I was in the military, I was single. It was just (laughs) me. I was an officer, so I was earning officer pay. In addition to when you're in the military, everything is taken care of, um, especially when you're single, right? And you have— Like what? 
So for example, your health care is taken care of, so you don't have to worry about that. You get housing allowances that cover, you know, I think 90, 95% of your housing expenses off base. You have your pay. When you're overseas, you don't even have to pay taxes. Uh, So a lot of this is taken care of. Fast forward, I now have a wife. I have three kids, three dogs. You know, you start to accumulate other expenses. You have to pay for health care. You have to pay your taxes. You have to pay your taxes when you're military too, just not when you're in a combat zone. (laughs) Uh, But uh, definitely different. But look, there's, there's plenty of folks who have families and have some of those expenses while they're in the military. Just as a single 20 something year old officer, I had the luxury of not. Who comes to you and says, give us your best? There, there's no shortage of companies that have excelled at hiring military talent, have built their businesses on it. I mean, Jack Welch built GE in its heyday by recruiting military service members. Ross Perot built his business hiring military veterans. And it's sort of funny because you have these wonderful companies that have massive initiatives to hire veterans, 10,000 veterans, 100,000 veterans, 200,000 veterans. But at the end of the day, it's like I appreciate what you were doing mm-hmm. for our community. But they also know that they're hiring the best and brightest of a generation. So you have the knowledge and skills. The other part of it is do people have the values of your company? And when you think about the values of the military, you know, integrity, loyalty, teamwork, mission focus, like what business doesn't have those values as well? And so they are people who have skill sets and knowledge but also have the values that any business would, would require. So I read an article on Task and Purpose about some of the characteristics that make you an incredible member of the military but might hold you back in a professional environment. What could that be? So that's a great question. I think one of the the big challenges is when you join the military, you're put on a conveyor belt, right? So if the military needs truck drivers, you're going to be a truck driver. doesn't mean you're a good truck driver. doesn't mean you want to be a truck driver. doesn't mean you should be a truck driver when you get out. But you're going to become a truck driver in the military. And I think that one of the challenges there's sort of – two parts to this. One is a lot of service members are not familiar enough with the civilian workforce to know what they want to do when they get out. And so they limit themselves to defense contractors, to law enforcement. There's nothing wrong with a career in law enforcement or defense contractors, but they should be thinking bigger than that. They should think like how many veterans have heard of Stash or Salesforce or maybe they've heard of Apple, but do they really understand the careers there? Do they really understand the roles that would be a good fit for them at those companies? So I think that is – that's a big one. On the other side, I think a big challenge for employers is they try and – spend too much time translating what somebody did into the military into mm. does that mean they're a fit for my company. And sometimes that goes astray. Like they say, okay, we need communications experts. This literally has happened. We need communications experts, meaning PR. We're going to go look for communications people in the military. Well, communications people in the military are not doing PR. They are – No, they're not. They're not at all. Like <laughs> they're doing they're, more tactical, literally <laughs> tactical. Literally tactical communication, satellite <laughs> systems, radios. Uh, Now, there are public affairs officers who might seem a little bit more like a PR person, but really it's like, what are you looking for in a PR person? And that person could have a background in the infantry. Just one quick funny story. No, more stories. I was uh, coming back from a patrol, came back to my base, and I see one of my Marines outrunning one of our patrol dogs with these great patrol dogs that we take out. And I say to my platoon sergeant, who is that? He says, oh, that's Frey. Well, Frey was assigned to us as a cook. And it turns out Frey was a all-American high school, I think either basketball player or football player. And the Marine Corps, in its infinite wisdom, took this incredible athlete and made him a cook, right? <laughs> and, it's, and I'll tell you, I love Frey to this day, but he, he, was, a good cook? he, was, he was okay. 
<laughs> he, he was he, in Iraq. He was a great cook. That's a good compliment. You'd be a great cook in Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> and we preferred the local food. So that might say something else. Got I mean, it. there's great local food in Iraq. So maybe that is a high bar and he, he's <laughs> just too high of a bar. But, uh, but, you know, Frey is capable of so much than being a cook when he gets out. In fact, when we were in that unit, we then made him a member of our line platoon. He ended up becoming our point man. He ended up serving in every role in weapons company throughout the Battle of Fallujah, got wounded. But it sort of shows even in the military, the military sometimes makes a mistake sure. in placing people into certain roles. So say I leave the military and I had a certain specialty in the military. How can I find within myself something else that I'm good at? How could someone go out into the job world and say, I've done this, but I have a feeling... I might be really good at this. Is that yeah. a challenge for people to advocate for themselves for a skill that they hadn't actively done in the military? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the, the benefits of serving the military is literally you have a benefit called the GI Bill. Yes. Uh, and the GI Bill is a massive investment you can make in yourself to acquire the education and the skills you need to do something completely different than what you did in the military. I think also it's okay to sort of take some time when you get out sure. to figure out what that is. You know, even if you get out of the military after four years, you joined when you're 18, you're 22 years old, you now go to college, you graduate, you're 26, 28 years old, maybe you have a family. But I think it's okay to take some time to sort of test out different careers. When you're in college and you have the support of the GI Bill and the benefits that come with it, do internships in different industries. Get mentors in different industries and different career fields. You know, spend some time finding what you're passionate about and really exploring a bit more than pigeonholing yourself into one career and then really use your benefits smartly. I think one of the big challenges a lot of service members have is with extraordinary benefits come a lot of predatory organizations. And there's no shortage. I mean, the GI Bill is a multi-billion dollar industry. There's no shortage of for-profit schools that are trying to get that money. Well, you just see how many organizations, they put an American flag somewhere and you see what they're winking at and they make it seem like it's reliable and it's trustworthy. And it's all very obvious that they're trying to tie in all the, the valor of the military with their product. Yeah. And look, you know, in running uh, Task and Purpose, a media site that serves this military, there is no shortage of advertisers that want to reach that market and will Absolutely. pay us a lot of money to. And we've had to make not hard decisions, but we've turned down a lot of revenue because we won't allow certain advertisers to advertise on our platform knowing that they're predatory. So there's a lot of aspects from what I've read that when you're in the military, you're disciplined, you understand Mm -hmm. strategy. How can that make you a better investor? That is a great question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm popping it out of nowhere, but I was thinking about it. So I think, you know, for me, success isn't a football game or a hockey game, right? There's not a time limit. You're not playing three periods or four quarters. It's not that you score a touchdown and you're done. Like, that's not the way life works. You know, true success comes from discipline, focus. And I think the most important thing is consistency. And it's are you doing things consistently within a framework with specific objectives and goals in mind, but are you doing things consistently to set yourself up for long-term success? And I think part of that in terms of investing is – Are you starting at an early enough age? Sure. Are you putting yourself into positions where you are less likely to fail or you're not like, you know, what's your risk disposition? Mm -hmm. You know, when you're younger and you're a single officer in the Marine Corps and you don't really have any responsibilities, you can afford to take a little bit more risk. When you have a family, you know, less so. How would you convince someone who is young, like your younger self, that extra time and income 
should go into your retirement. It seems so unsexy. Like, how could you convince your younger version of yourself? And maybe you did do this, but maybe say you didn't. How would you tell yourself that it's a good idea to do, that it's part of a great long-term plan? Somebody asked Warren Buffett once. He, he lays out exactly what his investment philosophy is, and he doesn't make it that complicated. And I think some – I can't remember who it was. It might have been Bill Gates asked him like, you know, why don't more people do what you do? You've made it sort of simple. And Warren Buffett said, well, nobody really wants to take a long time to become wealthy. That's right. Right? And so I think, again, when you're young, you think you're going to be young forever. And I will tell you, like, I'm turning 40 this year. I had dinner with a 70-year-old a couple weeks ago who said that uh, he feels like he's 35. I told him that, like, my back and my knees from my military (laughs) service make me feel like I'm 70. Before you know it, you're going to be 40. Before you know it, you're going to be 60. Think about what you want your life to be like when you're there and how you can set yourself up. And, like... What are just like small, small sacrifices you can make that set yourself up for success by, you know, forgive the, the pun, but like literally stashing something away? So when I first met you, we were talking about IRAs and retirement, and you said something that struck me that in your ideal world, someone could leave the military and retire a millionaire. Can someone do that? Is that a real thing that you would say that if someone had invested in an IRA or how do you think that we can help people do that who leave the military? Yeah, I think, again, it comes down to consistency. If you are consistently putting money away and you look at compound growth, it is absolutely achievable to retire as a millionaire. But again, it's like, do you have the discipline and are you going to be consistent in doing that? And are you going to be making smart choices, hedging risk? And if you do those things, you can absolutely be successful. The only other piece of advice I'd give is to folks to be an owner, not a Mm -hmm. buyer. Meaning when you find yourself using a product – more and more. Find a way to become an owner of that product, meaning like make an investment in it, right? If you're using a lot of Apple products, like find a way to be an owner of Apple. Warren Buffett invested in hamburgers and Coke because like <laughs> he loves hamburgers and Coke. And I think if you if you sort of think about your own behavior and what your own appetite is for certain products or services, find a way to become an owner and not just a buyer of something. Yeah, be an active participant in the economy. Don't just be a consumer. Yeah, exactly. That's something that we think about all the time here, you know, to try to invest in the things you use, invest in what you love. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to just consume it. You can be part of it and not just be on the sidelines. What are some of the challenges? You were telling me that a lot of things are taking care of you in the military financially. Um, What can happen if you leave and suddenly you're thrown into this whole new world? What are some roadblocks people can hit? So I think the biggest roadblock is the military makes success easy. Literally, they take care of everything. And when you show up at a school, they make it pretty clear what you need to do to be successful. You know how fast you need to run. You know exactly what you need to do in order to qualify as physically fit. You know when you take over a unit as a platoon commander or as a squad leader, you have been through a school that trains you in everything you know to be successful in that role. And when you get out, you're no longer on that conveyor belt. You no longer know what the bar is for success, right? The... The marketplace is messy. It is tough to navigate. And I think when you get thrown into that ocean and you don't really have a compass to navigate, it can make it really challenging and difficult. It's also really easy to rest on your laurels. And you can't do that. You you need to keep achieving. But figure out how to do it on your own terms. So you were telling me about this events company that you run for military spouses. How does your life change and your financial life change when you get married and What are some of the financial challenges that can come with that? 
When you get married, one of the challenges that, that you encounter in terms of financial planning and resources is you're no longer on your own. Even if you're in a dual income household, you still have to start making decisions together. You still need to be thinking about the future together. And most importantly, like, you know, maybe you have children and now you need to start thinking much longer term about their futures and how you're setting them up for success in the future as well. And that is, again, just very different than when you are single and on your own. How do you and your wife handle it? We barely do. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's normal. You know, everyone thinks right. that everyone has it together and that, you know, I come from this background and I'm, I handle things with a certain kind of precision because I came from the military. I'm very disciplined. But when you get into real life, it's very complicated. Marriages are complicated. Marriages aren't like the military. Yeah. It's, very, it's a free for all. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're the best example. We're, we're both very fortunate. We're both business owners. I think for us, more important than the financial piece is we have very strict rules about family life versus business life. And so we don't work on weekends. It's it's all just focused on us and the kids. I personally try and get home at a certain time every day in order to be there with my kids. One of the best pieces of advice I got was from the uh, COO of Under Armour. I had a chance to meet him at an event four years ago, right after the birth of, uh, of our son, Wolf. And he said that he travels 150, 200 days out of the year. He makes wow. it home to tubby time 150 days out of the year. Wow. And so like I make a point of trying to get home to tubby time and bath time every day because that's time you're never going to get back. Time is different than money in that time is being spent no matter what. And you can't get it back. You can't earn more time. And at the end of the day, you know, you're either using it wisely or you're not. How do you plan to talk to your kids about money? We talk about this a lot. And I think we have a, an older daughter who's 12 uh, from my wife's first marriage. And so she's sort of really coming of age and, and it's sort of like, making sure that she's making smart choices. And I think chores are a big part of it too. And our little ones, they always want a new toy. Sure. And sort of like, how do you sort of manage that and sort of set, you know, give them a sense of, of wanting to earn something. And it's tough. And I think if you've got good advice on how to do that, I, I would love to <laughs> love to hear it. You can uh, find me like on Twitter and DM <laughs> me what you think a, a good way of, of teaching your kids about that is because I think we're we're still figuring it out. So what would be some advice that you would give just to wrap this up for someone who is leaving the military? What's a key piece of advice you would give them? They're entering the workforce. It's a new day for them. What would you say to them? So the advice I'd give to somebody leaving the military is geography matters can tell you the number of veterans I know who are struggling to find work and it's only because they are staying near the base that they retired from and there's just not a lot of jobs in some of those areas whereas in other parts of the country there are now you know unemployment is an all-time low there's more job openings than there are people in the workforce that's true so there are opportunities out there but you know are you willing to move to the places that are doing well economically I think the other part of it is use your GI bill wisely you know, and I cannot emphasize that enough. I see so many veterans that piss away their benefits. And if you use them smartly, I mean, I have a really good friend of mine named Josh Ray, Navy enlisted guy, went to community college uh, for a couple of years in Los Angeles, transferred to Yale University. The Yellow Ribbon Program and his GI Bill was able to graduate debt-free, came and worked with me for a little bit, then went to work with Stan McChrystal, is now at Deutsche Bank. And he has had a, an extraordinarily successful career. I mean, Josh is an incredibly smart, capable, earnest, wonderful human being, but his story can be repeated a tenfold, a thousandfold by other veterans who are getting out. And so I think the other thing I'd say is 
think long term. Think about who you want to be in five, ten years, what you want your life to be. What are the things that you're passionate and care about? And start to chart a course about how you do that and don't sell yourself short. There's a lot of people whose footsteps you can follow in. And then there's also ways that you can chart your own course. I think this is great advice for everybody. Thank you. How can people learn more about what you do and uh, get in touch? Yeah, if you are just interested in reading about military culture and lifestyle with someone of an irreverent bent, you can check out taskandpurpose.com. If you're interested in hiring veterans or you are a veteran who is looking for work, you can go to higherpurpose, H-I-R-E-purpose.com. And then also feel free to, uh, if you're a military spouse, go to millspousefest.com and check out our calendar of events around the country. We'll do about 14 to 18 events a year. Well, that sounds great. Thank you so much for coming in. I learned so much. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks for listening to Teach Me How to Money. Send us your questions at teachmehowtomoney at stashinvest.com and we'll try to answer them on a future episode. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review on the iTunes store, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't have Stash yet? Just go to stashinvest.com slash podcast and you can get $5 to get you started on your investment journey. Stash. It's your money. Simplified. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from Stash to the listener. Neither Stash nor any of its officers, directors, or employees makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any of the information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Stash, and Stash is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of advice by Stash to the listener, nor to constitute such a person a client of Stash.